My name is Courtney. I am someone that gets the privilege to get up here and speak every so often, and I consider it an amazing privilege, an amazing honor to get to talk from God's Word um, to anybody, but especially here as well. So today's truth is that He is calling us to more. He being God, God is calling us to more. And today, truthfully, I don't know what that, what's going to hit you in your heart as to what he's calling you to more in. Maybe it will be more surrender, more healing in some aspect of your life. Maybe he's calling you to more of himself, more of his power, more of his life, more of his truth. Um, so we're going to dive in and we're going to take a look at that. Before we do, I'd like to say a prayer uh, just to, get, to give this to the Lord. Father God, praise you for the chance to be here, the chance, the, the privilege to speak out of your word. I pray, God, that you would teach my heart something today. Give me a humble heart as I speak. Give me your words and your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would work, you would work, you would move, and you would be present with us as we go throughout this morning. God, I pray all this in Jesus' name. All right, so I want to tell you some games that I play with myself here. Uh, Mallory asked the question, what's something weird that you do? And I'm kind of a child. I'm somewhere between 50 years old and 8 years old. And if you know me very well, you know that that's true. And you never know which one of me you're going to get uh, at any given moment. Uh, here's something I like to do. I love to be outside. I'm not necessarily running like Mallory, um, but walking more so. And something that I like to do, though, is I like to, as I'm walking, pick in a tree or a mailbox or whatever might be, you know, a certain distance away like Mallory. But I like to close my eyes and um, walk and then stop and see how close I can get to that thing. <laughs> um, and it's kind of a game. It's kind of competitive. It's kind of fun, you know. So I'm walking to the stand, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm across from it. But, ah, you know, so um, I like to do that. I also like to fake trip. This is true. Um, some of you have been with me when I do this. Um, but I like to do it by myself, um, normally when no one's around. Um, I'll do this, okay, so I, I'm a teacher. I work in a school. I actually work in two schools. I work in a middle school and a high school. And at the high school, it meets in this old elementary school, and it's like one long little hallway. And if I'm ever in this hallway by myself, I like to just, you know, um, the trick to fake tripping and making it look real is you, you catch, let me see if you can see this, as you're walking, you catch your, your toe on the heel of your other foot, okay? That's kind of, and you just, oh, it, it's, it, it makes it look pretty real. You can add your arms into it um, and really get yourself going. And as you do it, I guarantee you, you'll make yourself laugh. Um, if no one's around, it doesn't matter. It's hilarious. Um, if someone else is around, hopefully you'll scare them. They'll be like, oh, you okay? Um, yeah, you are. Um, anyway, you should try it. It is fun. In high school, sometimes I like to, to add this element to it. Okay, no one's in the hallway. You trip. Did anybody see you? And how many times can you trip without being seen as you walk down the hallway? Um, this is a fun one. At the middle school, now, my middle school has this huge open area. We call it the range. 
And in this huge open area, my, my classroom's like on one side and the office is on the other side, so inevitably I've got to go from one side to the other a lot. So when I'm in the range when no one is there, of course it's tempting on occasion to, to trip. Um, it's fun to, to, you have to build excitement into the mundane. Um, but anyway, one night, I couldn't fall asleep. Yes, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I'm laying in bed, and I decided how hilarious would it be, obviously just for myself, no one else would know. You guys have to keep my secret, but how hilarious would it be if I picked someone else in that middle school that every time I saw them in the range, I would trip? <laughs> and so, for about, seriously, for about two months now, every time I passed Mr. Friesen, I don't know why I picked Mr. Friesen, he's a good sport. Um, every time I pass him in the range, I in some way stumble. I try to make it a little bit different. Sometimes I just kind of drag my foot. Um, occasionally I'll do the, the big one. Um, but it's a rule and it's a commitment that I've made to myself to do that. Um, I don't tell him, he has no idea. Um, I just, I'm hoping someday he'll be like, you're kind of clumsy, you know? And then the, and I will win the game. Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it's a big area. And so sometimes he'll be walking behind me. Yep, got to do it. Sometimes he'll be a long ways away. Got to do it. Um, so yeah, this is a, that's a game I play with, with myself. Um, when I was in college, this one's going to sound weird. If that one didn't, this one does. <laughs> Um, I, I used to, mostly when I was in college, I'd occasionally pretend that I couldn't use all of my limbs. Um, so for example, occasionally I would just pretend like I couldn't use my left arm. I've been trying to do that since I got on stage, actually. Don't know if you noticed. Um, it's, I actually knew a gal at my church back home who couldn't use her left arm, and it has actually turned out to be kind of challenge, like a challenge to like appreciate that you can, because it is hard. I mean, like right now it's not that hard, but when you're in college and you're carrying your books and you try to open the door, it gets challenging. <laughs> or you're in the cafeteria and you're carrying your plate and you want to you put food on it. Think about this. You can't hold your plate and scoop it at the same time, so you got to set it, you know, you can't spill stuff. It, there's, and you can't carry your water. I mean, there's all sorts of things that come out as you play this game. Um, so yeah, that, that's another one that I used to do. Um, in my dorm room, occasionally, I'd pretend that like I couldn't like have full use of one of my legs, um, so I'd have to like hop around, or um, I couldn't bend it, or put all my weight on it. I don't know why, um, but that one's a little more conspicuous. You know, if I had come to the stage and instead of my left arm, if I'd have said, "Well, I can't fully use my right leg here," and I come hopping out here. Yeah, you guys would be like, what's going on? <laughs> um, you know, and, and, uh, and you might think, seriously, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that, right? You have the ability to walk and you're not. Um, I come out here and you'd be like, hey, Courtney, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. And I'm like, mm, you know, and you say, so your leg all right? You're not really putting all your weight on it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm fine. Can you put all your weight on it? Yeah, oh, I can, sure. Um, well, can you, can you bend it? Sure, I can bend it. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with my leg. Um, you know, and you'd be like, well, why aren't you using it? You know, and you'd think I was weird. Um, <laughs> but that's the question of the day today, actually. Um, because 
I'm going to tell you, spiritually speaking, I kind of do this. Spiritually speaking, I kind of drag my leg around like I'm part wounded. I don't know if you guys do that or have ever done that. Um, We sometimes drag our foot. We sometimes act like we're wounded when we actually aren't, when we can actually run and walk like normal. Um, We don't tap into all the life we have access to. Um, I think I feel like I've been using what I have to offer in my spiritual life. Like, yeah, God, I am following you as best as I can. But you know, life's been hard. And I've got a wound here, right? I'm a little injured. And so I'm coming after you, but I'm coming a little slower than maybe you would want me to. Um, or maybe it's, not a, maybe it's not something that's a wound for you. Maybe it's not an injury, but maybe it's some, a fear of something. Maybe it's sin or brokenness, anger. Something causes us to drag our feet sometimes spiritually to limp around when we really don't have to. So I want to ask you, are you also kind of like me limping around today? Or maybe it's your left arm you're not using. Um, But what I want to assert today is that we can. We can walk normally. We can run after God, in fact. All right? And God has a desire. If you do have some sort of injury or some sort of brokenness or some sort of sin in your life, God has a desire to heal that for you, to remove that from you fully so you can run, so you can jump. You can chase after him to the fullest. Right? Jesus said, I, the, the thief has come to kill and to steal and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest, right? Have it abundantly. And remember, Jesus, um, he had wounds in his life too, didn't he? Did he not encounter difficult circumstances where, in fact, the best friends in his life turned on him? Right, Ren? from him in his hour of need. And in fact, didn't he have wounds that took him not only to where he was wounded, but where he bled and died, right? And was buried in the grave. But you know what? Um, He didn't stay dead, right? And we celebrate that all the time. But here's the other thing I want to remind us of. Jesus did not limp out of that grave. And he didn't, he didn't, this doesn't, this is not disrespectful for me to do this. He didn't come out of the grave like a zombie. You know, we see all these zombie shows. That's not how Jesus came up out of the grave. No. Jesus came out of the grave fully alive. Not partially alive. Fully alive. And completely healthy. And completely healed. And he, sure, he had scars. We know that, right? We saw Um, we see him tell Thomas about those scars, right? Thomas says, I will not believe. And then Jesus shows up and he says, yeah, here, feel my side. I have these scars, but I'm healthy and I'm alive and I'm here. Remember that story? And I think the purpose of those scars um, was to tell the story, right? Was to have the testimony of what Jesus overcame. And I think our scars... Our wounds have that same purpose so that God can heal us and show the story of what he's overcome for us in our lives. I want to read from, uh, briefly from Romans chapter 6. Um, you can turn there if you're quick. Uh, but I'm going to read verse 5 to verse 8. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Yeah, that's, that's just a reinforcement that if we have walked through the spiritual or like, you know, the, you, you have in this life things that sin, right, that, that has wounded you or that has taken you to the grave, right? But if we've been baptized and we have been raised to life with Christ Jesus, we don't limp out of the grave either. Jesus walked out healthy and we can do the same, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, I think Kevin last week mentioned this, right? That passage in Ephesians 1, uh, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, hope to which he has called you and the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, the inheritance and the hope and the power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? We have access to more. As a Christian saved in God's grace through Jesus Christ, I have access, for me, I have access to fuller life than I've been living. I have access to a greater God than I've been believing in. I have access to more power, more truth, more life to live into. And as I, as I was preparing this message and reminding myself and, and practicing it last night, I, two things came to me that, that I think are true as to why I haven't been choosing to fully live into it, why I've been limping around spiritually. So I want to share them with you. They're not on your outline, but I want you to, to, to try to hear them because I think they're very true in my own life and maybe they're true in, in your life too. Uh, uh, point number one, why I think I've been limping around spiritually is I believe a lie that I am not and will not be fully healed or fully set free. I am not fully set free, and I won't be fully set free, at least not in this life. Right? That God can't, or that God won't, or doesn't want to heal me. I, I know in some ways I've been believing that lie. And so I want to ask you, have you? Have you been believing that lie? Is there something in your life, whether it's an, a wound or a sin or a brokenness, is there something that you don't believe that God could or would want to set you free from? I want you to ask yourself that. That you have to stay wounded or that you are wounded when you're not. Or that you have to stay there when you don't. You don't have to stay there. The second thing, the second reason why I think that I want, truthfully, why I want to limp instead of run after God is that I'm afraid. I fear being fully healed or fully set free by God, because then I can't avoid full surrender. Do you hear that? I'm afraid of fully surrendering because maybe I'm afraid of, uh, of what God would ask me to do, or maybe I'm afraid of what I'd have to give up. Maybe I'm just being selfish. Um, so I just, want, I just want to challenge you to consider, are either of those things true for you? Something that is causing you to drag you here spiritually. Maybe it's Whatever it is, is that, are you perhaps hiding behind fear or hiding behind this lie that you cannot be fully healed, right? Because if, if, I, if I can't be fully healed, then this is the best that I have. I'm coming, God. I'm coming. Right? 
Am I clinging to it? Am I hiding behind it to avoid the truth or to avoid full surrender? This is a challenge for us today, okay? This has been a challenge that God has put in my life and my heart as I've processed this. And, and we're going we're gonna to hopefully um, be able to be set free from that a little bit today. I'm going to read out of, and we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at Psalm chapter 62. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, pull it out, pull it up, whatever. Um, and I'm going to look at Psalm 62. And I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 6. My version is the NIV. It says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I'm going to stop there for a minute. I've loved this passage for a really long time. Um, I think it's beautiful. There's some amazing promises that God gives to us of who he is and who he can be for us. If you look, and oh, the other thing I love is that verses 1 and 2 and verses 5 and 6 are very, very similar, but they're not identical. Um, so I want to look at that. Um, verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. That's like a statement of facts. This is what happens. This is where my soul finds rest. My soul finds rest in God alone. Fact. He's my salvation. Fact. Right? And we, Jesus, we know that's true. That's a fact. I will never be shaken. Fact. I cannot be shaken spiritually. If I'm saved in Jesus Christ, right, I cannot lose my salvation that is set it is a fact and so i am i am good right i love that what an amazing promise that my soul can find rest my soul can find peace and stillness and quiet in god and god alone verse five is slightly different and i love that slight difference Verse 1 says, my soul finds rest. And then verse 5 says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Do you see that subtle difference? That's my version. Yours might look a little different. Um, but it's like he's saying to his soul, hey, soul, hey, hey, come over here. You know what you should do? You should find rest in God alone. And that, that, that caused me to ask the question, um, why? Why would he need to tell his soul that? Because didn't he just say in verse 1, like, this is a fact. It's set. My soul will find rest in God alone. So why is he four verses later saying, hey, soul, make sure you do this? Because I think it's pointing out that there's life. In life, we can choose to find rest in God, but we don't have to. He's not going to force me to do that. Right? Uh, and so he's reminding his soul. And look what happens if you want. You can read this uh, more fully on your own later, of course. But verses 3 and 4 it's talking about the things that happen in life, right? How long will you assault a man, right? They intend to topple him. With their mouths they bless, with their hearts they curse. I mean, he's talking about how the world's kind of hard. 
and people aren't perfect, and they beat him up, or they chase him, or they attack him, right? This is David writing when things aren't going so well, King David. And so um, he knows what he's talking about there, and we've all experienced that. When the world gets chaotic, when people or things attack us, and we want to freak out. Our soul doesn't want to, our soul wants to rest, but it feels like it can't. There's nowhere to look, right? And we start seeking all sorts of things for our rest and our peace. We seek alcohol. We seek sex. We seek relationships. We seek sports. We seek TV. We seek food. We seek a lot of things that, that help us stuff that stress and hide that feeling of, of chaos. And yet here he's saying, hey, soul, don't hope in anything but God. Find your rest in him. Right? And then he says at the end of verse 6, it's slightly different than the end of verse 2. He says, I will not be shaken. Like a, like, almost like a challenge to himself. Like, I'm not going to let myself get shaken here by whatever this thing is. So maybe that's a good question for us. Is there something in your life that's causing you to shake? or that's stressing you out, <laughs> freaking you out? What's that thing that's got you all worked up? Because it's always something. feels like that's how life is. And we have a choice before us to find rest, to find peace, to find stillness. What's that thing that's got you so worked up? Can you believe you can find stillness in that right now today? Absolutely you can in God alone. I will not be shaken. So point number one is God is calling us to more rest than we currently experience. He's saying, come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Soul rest. Rest from God alone. I want to speak to that angry, wounded, bitter, broken part of you that's been limping around after God in some area. And I, at least I know in my heart I crave rest sometimes. And, and I want to ask you, what's that thing you're seeking after, that you're seeking to help you with this situation, um, whether that's money or, or some other thing? Like, what, what is it? And, and, and there's a prayer listed on your outline there. Um, God, I believe rest I find in you is better than rest found in blank. Found in that thing. I'm not filling in that blank. You are. God, I believe that rest found in you alone is the only kind of rest. I choose to rest in you over anything else. I'm going to read now verses 7 through 10. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Lowborn men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. King David, when he was writing this, um, he, was, he was already king. He was a loved king most of his, his time as a leader. 
Um, and at the time that he's writing this, though, um, his, one of his sons, Absalom, had, uh, well, Absalom had done some things, and him and David had kind of done like this, and they hadn't seen each other or spoken in a long time. Um, but they were both living, at this time, they were both living in Jerusalem, and, uh, but they were estranged, and they weren't interacting. Uh, and here's what Absalom did. Absalom was a handsome, charming fellow. The Bible even calls him handsome. Um, and you know what Absalom did, the son of the king? He sat at the gates, the city gate, where people would come and go, and he'd sit there every day. And people would come from wherever they came from in the kingdom, and they'd walk up, and, he, and, they'd, and um, he'd say, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? You know, we do this. How's the weather? How much rain did you get out there? If you're from a cook, that's, that's a good one. Right? Um, <laughs> maybe we don't do that here, but uh, if you're a farmer, you do. Anyway, um, so he strikes up a conversation with these people, and he's like, oh, I'll bring you to town, you know. And they'll tell him a little bit. They're, they're coming to see the king. Whatever problem that they have, they're coming to see the king to see if the king will listen and hear, and hear what it is, right? Because they trust King David. They believe that he will help them. But what Absalom did was he said, oh, yeah, sorry, the king's out. The king doesn't have time for you. The king's not here to listen to you. Oh, wouldn't it be great if I was judge, if I was ruler, if I was the king? Man, here's what I'd do for you. I'd set you up, brother. I got you. Um, and what he did was he, one by one, over the course of time, stole the hearts of the people of the kingdom. And, and then he, when he got himself all set up and ready, he had enough lo people loyal to him. He conspired against his father David, and he set himself up as king. And David and anybody that was still loyal to David, they were fleeing. They had to flee from Absalom. And that is um, when David's writing this. And... He writes these words. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Here his son had smeared his reputation through the mud, right? Stolen all the loyalty of some of his great friends. And here David says, my honor depends on, on God. Right? My, my name, my reputation, my honor, I can't worry about that. God can worry about that. My honor depends on God. And um, this challenges me, <laughs> okay, because I fear full surrender, and I fear running after God because I want to protect myself. I want to protect my image. I want to protect my name, my desires, my career, my life. I, kinda can, I can be a lot like Absalom here because I want to promote myself. I want to promote my name, right? I, guys, uh, you know, I just confess things to you, but I live a lot of my life sometimes uh, doing my best to be seen positively, uh, to build myself a positive reputation. Not necessarily a bad thing, right? A positive reputation even as a good Christian person. But that enterprise can miss completely. That's, the, that's actually the opposite. It can be the opposite of choosing to find my rest in God as my hope, my salvation, my rock. No, because instead, when I build up my own name and I'm building my own reputation and my own positive image, I'm building, listen to this, I, I'm building something I can rely on instead of God. It seems truly harmless and good sometimes while we're doing it. I should be a nice person. I should be a good Christian. I should treat people well. It should matter how they see me because I need to live above reproach. It's a Christian phrase we use. And Satan laughs at me because I've got it a little bit wrong because I'm thinking about myself more than I'm thinking about God, and that's always a problem. Satan laughs at me while he traps me away in this mansion that I've built for myself 
or he burns it down around me with me inside, clinging to this paperwork of how great I am. We've got to be real careful. How about verses 9 and 10? You read them back over and you notice um, verse 9 here, low-born men, high-born men, that's status, right? And status is important to us, reputation, image, status. Verse 10, trust in extortion, stolen goods, riches, money, right? Status and money. And we want to find protection in these two things. We want to find protection in the image or in the financial security that we have, right? How do I protect myself? How do I save myself? Well, I need money, and a good reputation helps. No, 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 no. Instead, I want to be like David in this passage, where he wants to wait, right, find my rest, and wait, and let God save me. Let God save my honor and my name. To let God worry about all that. And he, Jesus, or not Jesus, he, David, only worries about one thing, Making sure that his soul, hey soul, find, my re- find your rest in God alone. Not in money, not in image, not in status. Point number two. God is calling us to more of his image and less of our own. More glory for his name and his only, his only, only, only. Remember this from chapter three, I think, of, of John um, says, he must become greater, I must become less. Remember John the Baptist said that. This is true for us. He must become greater, I must become less. Always, always. More of his honor, more of his glory, more of his name. So I, th- I think your outline has a prayer on there too. We get caught up in ourselves and in our circumstances and our lives, our image, so easily. So my prayer is, Lord, I lay down my desire to promote my name, to protect my honor, And I humbly beg for the chance to glorify yours. Bring it home with verses 11 and 12. One thing thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. That you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. (laughs) This is, these, these two things about God here change everything. All right, this brings home the major point for us, something that David has pointed to in verses 1 and verse 5, right, that we need to find our rest in God alone, that we trust in him alone. Nothing else, right? Nothing else to find our security in, nothing else to find our peace in, our our rest, our security. He's my rock, he's my refuge. Just God. But we don't always do that. We don't always choose him all the time, maybe maybe because we've been a little wounded. Maybe because circumstances, right? We chase the wrong things. We chase image. We chase status. We chase money. Maybe we don't trust God because he tell, we doubt that he could or would want to help us or heal us or save us. Maybe we, right? That's, that's what, something I struggle with. Maybe we fear him and what he will call us to do. But these two things change that all if we believe them because you Oh, Lord, are strong, strong enough to save me. Strong enough to save me and willing to because you're perfectly loving. All right, so point number three, guys, this one is really, really powerful if we choose to believe it. God is calling us to more faith 
that he is all-powerful and completely willing to protect us, to take care of us, to secure us in him as our rock, as our fortress, as our salvation, as our refuge. I believe these are the two most important things to believe about God, that he's powerful enough and that he loves me enough. If he's not powerful enough, then he can't save me. Some of you have met my mom. She's five foot one and maybe 100 pounds if you get her all wet. Um, she is tiny. If she loves me like, all, like you wouldn't believe, okay? But if I'm in, like, in danger in some way, she will be less than helpful. She just couldn't save me, right? She's just tiny. Um, she would, she would want to, right? But she's not strong. Uh, sorry, mother, but she's not strong enough. Um, and, and so she has the loving peace, but not the strong peace, right? Um, but, you know, you don't fear something that's, you know, you, you see a big scary person come down and wants to attack you. Well, you fear them because you don't think that they love you, right? You think, oh, maybe they'll get you. Um, and so you need both of these things. You need someone powerful enough, strong enough to be able to save you from whatever. But you, if you just have that power, you can't trust him either because you don't know what he might do, right? Um, they, need, they need power, but they also need to care about you. Well, our God is both. He is all-powerful and also completely loving, completely willing to save and protect me. This passage, you guys, Psalm 62, it reminds us, I have complete security in my God alone, no matter what I face. And I know that I can lean into him as my rock, my salvation. I can find my rest in him, no matter what life throws at me. Um, and I want to think about Jesus here. You know? Jesus said, and he showed it to us. He showed us his scars, didn't he? Um, he said, John 16, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? Take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And I can kind of see him pointing at his scars when he says that. When he, the Lion of Judah, the powerful Lion of Judah, points at his scars, he reveals himself to also be the Lamb of God. The fully willing, loving God that chose to sacrifice himself for me, for me and my wounds, for me and my sin, for me and my brokenness, so that he could, truthfully, right, he, he went as the Lamb of God to die on the cross for my sin, to raise and be reminded as the line of Judah, right? Oh, i got to get to this. Um, Revelation chapter... Five, verse five, right? We are in the throne room of heaven and the guy's crying because there's a scroll and no one can open it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The lamb of God rose up out of the grave as the lion of Judah and has triumphed over whatever it is in my life or in your life that's getting you. 
So as the band comes back up, I just want to close by asking you to search your own heart. And maybe you, for the first time, are wanting to make a commitment to trust in the sacrifice of the Lion of Judah and to see that he has died for you and raised to life for you. Maybe for the first time you want to surrender your life to him, to be saved and set free from whatever's happened to you. I want to ask you to do that. Or maybe you're you're being challenged to surrender in some way something that, that you haven't laid down to the Lord. Maybe he's calling you to do that in these moments. But as Jesus reaches out his scarred hand to you and asks, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to lay down the lies that hold you back? To fully surrender. He is powerful enough to save you and loving enough to do it on the cross because that's the only way. If you want to make that commitment, pray with me while I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I worship you. I worship you and you alone. Forgive me for the times, Lord, when I want to worship my own self, my own life, my own name. God, on my own, I make a mess of this life, and and on my own, I'm not enough. Thank you that I do not have to be. That Jesus came and made a way for me to get back to you. That in Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, and his resurrection, I have access to you again. I pray that um, we would take today, these moments right now, and beyond to, to lay down these things in our lives that hold us back from you, to fully surrender to you as our Lord, as our Savior, as our rock and our refuge. It is in Jesus' name that I can pray to you. It is on his merits. It is in what he has done that allows me access to you. So I praise you and I thank you for him in his name.